Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The School of Cleveland Ballet is now accepting auditions for both their trainee and summer intensive programs. Their trainee program is open to male and female dancers ages 18 to 22 and offers opportunities to perform alongside Cleveland Ballet at their home in Playhouse Square and in productions during their regional tours across Northeast Ohio. Cleveland Ballet's home theater complex Playhouse Square is the largest performing arts complex outside of Lincoln Center. School of Cleveland Ballet's summer intensive program is open to dancers ages 8 through 22. The program runs for four weeks where dancers will participate in daily classes in ballet, point, conditioning, modern, jazz, character, Spanish dance, and more. As part of the program, there is housing, food, and transportation available, as well as workshops in nutrition, injury prevention, makeup, and more. Auditions for both programs are by video and do not include any audition fees. Audition by March 31st, 2022 for the trainee program and by March 16th, 2022 for the summer intensive. Visit clevelandballet.org for complete audition and program info or click the links in the description of this episode. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today we are joined by our friend Monica Stevenson, who just started work at a new post as Director of Community Engagement at Miami City Ballet. Monica is originally from North Carolina and is a graduate of the University of North Carolina School of the Arts and the Professional Training Program at the Houston Ballet Academy. In 2002, she received her first professional contract with the Washington Ballet. She went on to perform with the Dance Theater of Harlem Ensemble from 2003 to 2005 before joining the Los Angeles Ballet as an inaugural season company member. Monica was previously a member of the education staff at American Ballet Theater as both a teaching artist and the project coordinator for Project Plie, an initiative to increase diversity in classical ballet. An engaging dancer, teacher, and administrator, Stevenson joined MCB in January 2022 from the Washington School of Ballet, where she served as head of school for the Southeast Campus in Washington, D.C. We chat with Monica about leading the Washington School of Ballet's Southeast Campus through the pandemic, what brought about this opportunity at Miami City Ballet, what this position entails, 
and what she's looking forward to accomplishing in the Miami community. To hear our first chat with Monica, tune into episode 141 or click the link in the description of this episode. Monica, we're so happy to have you back. It's so good to see your face here on Zoom. We have so much to catch up with you on. The last time we chatted with you was in 2019 on the pod. So it's been a little while. (laughs) We hope that um, our listeners, if they didn't hear that episode, will go back and listen. It's episode 141. It was such a fun chat with you. We had the best time. So we're happy to have you back to kind of see what you've been up to and hear new things that are going on in your life. Yes, I'm so happy to see you all. It's hard to believe that was 2019. It feels like it was yesterday. Yeah, right? (laughs) It's so weird. I remember we were sitting in our hotel room in DC, just chatting away. And I think we went to like a fantastic meal and had drinks afterwards and just had the most fun. That was so fun. Yes, I think we went to Founding Farmers, which I love in Uh, TV. We did. That's exactly what we did. That was our spot. That was our spot when we used to go to D.C. all the time. And you lived in D.C. because you're not there anymore, which we'll get to. But let's let's talk about your um, you were I mean, you were in D.C. through a lot of rough times. You didn't know. We didn't know. It was June 2019. We talked to you. And then yeah. right around the corner, you had to, you know, help shepherd um, the Washington, Washington School of Ballet Southeast Campus through a, a, a very dark time for any arts organization. So what was that like for you um, personally? Oh, gosh. You know, of course, we never could have imagined a global pandemic like this. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it was so interesting that, of course, we all experienced it when the pandemic first happened. We kind of thought this was a temporary thing. You know, I remember putting a sign on the door. I want to say we closed like on March 13th, and it said, uh, we will be closed until April 1st. (laughs) 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 The laugh. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, little did we know. I mean, never could have imagined transitioning the teaching ballet on Zoom. I had never been on Zoom until the pandemic. And so... You know, we pivoted to online learning by April 1st. Like we were only, you know, without classes for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And the Washington Ballet, very conservative with, you know, the training experience um, during the pandemic. And the District of Columbia was very conservative. Mm-hmm. So there was a ban on indoor dining, indoor fitness almost, you know, all businesses for really most of, you know, 2020, um, I would say we couldn't even think about reopening until about March of 2021. Um, So it, it was a long school year, whereas a lot of schools did, we were completely virtual all of 2021. Yes. Yes. Um, so to keep everyone's motivation online for an entire school year wow. was not easy. Um, <laughs> we were one of the only schools 
schools that didn't reopen. And so we did a virtual nutcracker, uh, a virtual sleeping beauty. I mean, we were performing uh, wow. on Zoom. And, and so, you know, we really made the most of it in those performances the children engaged, um, but to keep everyone stimulated for that long doing ballet in their own house was definitely uh, not easy. And mm -hmm. we had to figure out how to make it the best possible experience. So we had um, demonstrators. So we would actually pay uh, dancers in the professional training division to be demonstrators so that the teachers didn't have to dance while the students were dancing and could mm -hmm. sit and correct, oh, you know, because it great, was like yeah. this, this has to be actual training, like yeah. if we're going to do it for this long. So we right. really had to implement a lot of additional measures to make the most of that wow. training. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. That is wild. I didn't, I couldn't. Uh, I mean, I assumed, you know, I, when we bring this up, you'd have, you'd tell us your experience and it would be, yeah, it's, you know, a lot, there's a lot of overlap between what a lot of teachers went through, but I had no idea. I mean, every other school I know of, had, I mean, yes, masks and reduced, um, you know, wow. numbers in the classroom, but like a whole year. Wow. The entire school year was on Zoom. We did not reopen until last summer, till that the summer intensive 2021. So, you know, the, the summer intensive was well attended. People were ready oh, to so get excited. back. Exactly. And mm -hmm. they, I saw so much improvement over did the you? summer intensive. They worked like no other. I mean, mm -hmm. I, you know, I think the kids started to feel like I've got to make up for lost time. Right. Um, and and so, you know, last summer was our just initial reopening with the Washington School of Ballet. Wow. Um, so it, 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 it was a long road, longer than most ballet schools. Right. Yeah. How did you feel about... Um... I mean, I know I didn't teach as not even close to that much on Zoom. I just did a little bit, but I could always feel that there was like maybe one or two students that you were just totally losing. And it felt mm -hmm. sad, especially sad if they had a potential and you knew they loved it. You know, if there, there were some students who, you know, even before the pandemic, you could tell they weren't really interested. But so how did you kind of cope with that? And how did you kind of get in touch with the dancers and try to like talk with them personally? What was some of that interaction like for you? Rebecca, I would say that was the hardest part is I'm seeing sure. some children struggle mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. as an educator, you want to reach everybody. You want right. to ensure that you don't lose anyone in the class. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would have to say online ballet was just not for everybody. Yeah. You know, I would say 75% of our students did really well. But, you know, a fourth of them, you know, it was hard to keep motivation dancing in their own house and yeah. rightfully so. Sure. Yeah. And with public schools also being virtual, they just they were on were Zoom all dang day. Suffering exactly. In yeah. so many ways Aww. without having social interaction, things that they never have it had encountered before like anxiety and depression mm. uh, were coming in it was so 
tough to see children not doing well during that time because I would say that isn't the norm of teaching ballet where you feel like you don't have control Mm -hmm. over the circumstances and there's not a way to make it better. That was the first time I had felt that really as an educator. Yeah. Did you have any kids that just fully dropped out because of the situation? Sadly, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I definitely worked with families one-on-one and I would set up little Zooms and phone calls, whatever I could do to keep that student. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really kept trying to get the dancers to understand that it's similar to an injury that when you're in it, it feels like it's forever, but it's only a short amount of time in your overall dance experience. I kept trying to make them uh, think big picture. Um, And and really some of them I had to kind of coax into coming back in studio. And I said, Mm -hmm. just promise me you'll come back in studio if you still want to quit. Make that decision based on the real experience, not based on taking ballet on Zoom. Yeah. So there were some that once they got back in studio, they reclaimed the love. Mm -hmm. But there definitely were a few that I could not get to combat. Yeah. Right. And the the Washington School of Ballet's Southeast campus is very special in the work that you guys do. And and I wonder, too, if that presented some challenges, though, as well, being able to access some of the kids that maybe didn't have Internet access or, you know, things like that. Was that something that you guys were, you know, coping with as well? You know, Internet access was not a barrier. Um, However, of course, we are working um, in the Southeast campus in an under-resourced community. And so Mm -hmm. there were children that did not have their own device. So we were able to get some donations of tablets um, for the dancers that needed a device. Uh, So that was extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, We had, uh, at that time, the Young Professionals Group for the Washington Ballet that stepped up and provided tablets for those Mm -hmm. that needed a tablet. Um, And then there were a few children that didn't feel comfortable showing their home environment to the entire class. I felt there there was, you know, especially when you have like a different, you know, a class with like, there's some that just have these humongous, crazy rooms in their own bar. And then there's people who are just like, and you know, it's, I felt so bad for, Mm -hmm. yeah, right. I totally understand that. And, and so I would say it wasn't internet access, but really we were able to remedy the devices, but for those that didn't feel comfortable showing their home environment, that was that was a tougher thing to cope with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think of one young lady who mainly wanted to take with her camera off, but she came back in studio and is doing well. Okay. You know, she just tough, you know, stuck it out. She really, you know, was really uh, resilient in that. Um, These kids, gosh. it's am- I mean, amazing to yeah. hear those stories. Yeah. But I think that was so wise of you to be like, it's okay if you want to stop for a minute now, but just don't, don't base it off of this. Right. I, think, exactly. I mean, I, how could you, I, I could imagine, you know, and again, you know, 
if say the kids stopped for three months, that's like a blip in their life too. You know, you can come back as a child to sure. the ballet. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a loss of time, but we get injured for three months and, you know, just come on back. So. Yes. That's yes. Right, yeah. You know, kids are so in the moment. And so trying to get them to think big picture isn't right. easy. Um, but, you know, parents too really got it. You know, they wanted them to at least get back as well. So they they heard it from Miss Monica. They Aww. had it coming from their parents. Uh, right. You know, we were really doing all we could to get as many to stick it right. through. Oh, that's so great. So then bring coming to something a little happier, then you got everybody back in the studios. What was that like um, for you? I'm sure you were having like the best time ever being back with them. But then also um, you mentioned that they really improved very quickly. Like what else were you, were you feeling like you just kind of could do whatever you wanted with them and they were just so hungry and eager and Absolutely. I mean, coming back this summer of 2021 was awesome. The faculty was really inspired. The kids were working hard. They really, I think, understood and treated it as, in a way, a, a privilege. Like, they they appreciated it more. Um, you know, they. I think that you could the appreciation for it, the gratitude. Um, you know, there were a lot of challenges. Now, all of a sudden, we're becoming COVID-19 managers in addition to right. directing school. So, you know, <laughs> but what I could say was that the rewards of seeing them back in the studio outweighed all yeah. the additional uh, work and, uh, you know, requirements to make yeah. it happen. So. That's funny. Cause isn't that true? Also the way you feel after an injury, right. When you get back, it's like, you feel so like blessed to be dead. Like there's like this whole new renewed love. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I have to say, you know, because they really had that appreciation for it, Things like the little interpersonal dramas that usually happen, you know, <laughs> the, the dressing room <laughs> chatter and talk and the clicks and we didn't have any of that. Oh, isn't that funny? Wow. I mean, what piece? Right, right. <laughs> it's pretty mind blowing that that sense of um, gratitude and appreciation really carried over into how they just interacted with each other. That's funny. I like it. (laughs) So you're now taking on a new role in our former home, our forever home, my Mississippi Ballet. (laughs) I know. It is so weird to be here without you all here. (laughs) And literally, Michael, I thought about you, you know, because you spent um, so much time that I've known you in Miami, um, that I literally thought about you. And it's like, you texted me like the next day, you know, (laughs) as soon as I saw the news, I sent it to Michael and I was like, we have to talk to Monica. This is so cool. I can't think of a better person. It's yeah. just so funny too. Right now I'm in Los Angeles and I just think of you and Damian Johnson in front of the pod all the time because um, for our audience who doesn't maybe know, or if they listen to the first episode, I'm sure we talked about your time in Los Angeles Ballet. Um, <laughs> and I came out here, it was the first season of the company 
and you and Damien were here dancing. And so I just, I think about you all the time. Like that was my first time in LA ever. So now being here, I'm like, oh, I miss, I miss Damien and Monica. Where, where are Damien and Monica? <laughs> I know, I know the people that you associate with the place, you know. Right. And, you know, being an inaugural company member with Los Angeles Ballet, it was my first time in LA too. It was like, we were mm-hmm. all so new, you know, coming from the East coast yeah, to right. LA. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really can't wait to listen to Colleen's interview with you all because yeah. I haven't seen her or spoken to her since 2010. I mean, it's been so long. For a long time. Right. You know what? Maybe yeah. just since we're here, because Colleen's episode will be airing right before the week before yours. So since we're here mm. and as a follow up, we may have talked to you about this before, but just really quickly, what was it like hearing her talk about starting LA Ballet and what a um, risk it was for her. But also, I mean, I was thinking the whole time too, I'm like, what a risk for the dancers to join um, onto something so new. So what was that like for you to kind of jump into that experience with a brand new company? I mean, obviously you had great leaders, so that was a good thing, but. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think for me, I was so young. We were so young when we were professional dancers that, you know, I just jumped at the opportunity. I mean, you know, Dance Theater of Harlem had folded. um, Mm -hmm. And so I was in New York without a job and doing little things. I did like Nutcracker with Pennsylvania Ballet. I went over to London to dance with Ballet Black. But I really wanted to belong in a country again. Mm -hmm. And so... When I auditioned, what really attracted me, honestly, was the opportunity to work with Colleen Neary, you know, um, and to dance Balanchine Rep. You know, that was what was the draw was I, as most people know, love Balanchine Ballets. And so I knew that I wanted to dance. Uh, those ballets. And so it felt like a great opportunity to do that. But I think those of us that grew up in the 80s and 90s, you know, were really enamored with Colleen Neary in that generation of the Balanchine dancer. You know, so I'll never forget when she called um, after the audition. I was like, Colleen Neary called my cell phone, you know. (laughs) I mean, we really looked up to that generation of Balanchine dancers, you know. That's so funny. I I mean, I have the... I had a memory with Edward too. Like I had a voicemail that I saved of his, you know, because it was just, we really, we just loved those. Yeah. We were so, I don't know. Do kids love dancers as much as we did? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? You know, I think I was like, gosh, maybe I would have been even more obsessed with ballet because now kids have YouTube and right. social media. Like we didn't have any of that. That's true. When we were younger, you know, right. we had like those VHS. Valentine <laughs> celebration. Valentine uh, celebration. I mean, that was the thing. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. I told Colleen, I was like, we almost broke that video of her doing Choleric in 4Ts. <laughs> exactly. We watched that all the time. That, that cassette tape. That was so uh, funny. Um, yeah. Sorry, so we got wild. a detour, but let's go back to MCB. Detour, I just detour to about that. But yeah, you're you're in another place under another former Balanchine dancer now. Yeah. But tell us about what brought you and what your new position entails and how how it differs from the work you were doing at the Washington School of Ballet. Absolutely. So 
absolutely. Um, you know, I think that during the pandemic, everyone like really had a moment to just sit and, mm-hmm. and think about, okay, what am I doing? How am I doing it? And I think for me, um, what was so difficult about leaving the role at Washington Ballet is I have really fallen in love with the children there, teaching there. And I knew that I didn't want to teach anywhere else. There is just no school like the Washington School of Ballet Southeast Campus that is in an African-American neighborhood with a student body that's like 75% African-American. Like there was no other ballet school like that in America. So I knew that if I was going to teach or direct a school, I was staying there. Like I wasn't open to teaching anywhere else, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I started to recognize how unsustainable the schedule was. Mm -hmm. And I think that it didn't really hit me until I had a chance to like sit in my own house for once. I mean, yeah. it, you know, I think one of the things that teachers don't talk about is how terrible the schedule is. Mm-hmm. And as children, we all danced after school. Right. Yeah. But somehow when you enter teaching, it doesn't hit you that, oh yeah, children dance after school. You're so right. Yeah. Unless, like, unless you're doing the, no, I, I, yeah, this is great. Actually, this is great for me. This, this is going to be cathartic because <laughs> I, I don't really have that many friends that are teaching really. And it is something that it just is. It's something I think about all the time. It's like, what do you do when it's, you know, every weeknight you're home and it's 10 o'clock at night and that's it. Your yes. night's over. Mm-hmm. And and so that's the thing is literally like the first week I started teaching, I was like, I can't do this. But then I did it for five and a half years. I mean, you know, yes, it's just the thing is, is our classes would run from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what made it very difficult, especially directing a ballet school and, and my heart, goes out to a Roger because I could just feel it, you know, is when you direct a ballet school, you are responsible for that dance education until 9 p.m. However, you're also an administrator and on the senior leadership staff. So you start meetings at like 9 a.m. Right. But then you've got dance classes going until 9 p.m. when everybody else has finished at five. Sure. And so it's like no one can really understand that schedule unless you've actually lived it. But a 12 hour day literally was the norm. And, and, And so I started to fear that I was ignoring all of the other aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, um, just not having a work-life balance and then just feeling like I was like the energizer bunny. And I was mm-hmm. getting to the point where I was like, what if the battery just 
corrupt Val. I mean, <laughs> I just started fearing how unsustainable the schedule was being a yeah. school director. I get it. Yeah. Absolutely. So then how did you um, find this opportunity at MCB? Did they find you? What was the initial start there? Yes, a little bit of both, honestly. Uh-huh. I think I was open to something where I could still impact children mm-hmm. and teach children, but during daytime out. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that is a rare find. Or, um, you know, I think one of the things that makes it very difficult is I have fallen in love with teaching children specifically. Mm-hmm. And I think as a dancer, sometimes kind of fantasize about being, you know, a rehearsal director, just because I think you can kind of imagine yourself doing that because it's so similar to what, you know, your experience is uh, as a professional. But the more I started to teach, like, in higher education. So I started adjuncting some at universities. I started um, teaching the professional training division in company class at the Washington Ballet. The more I started doing things like that, the more I realized I really love teaching children. Mm-hmm. And so I started to think about how could I teach children during the day? And it, it, it's just a rare thing. Yeah. However, I had experience teaching children in public schools. Mm-hmm. I started when I worked at American Ballet Theater in their education department. I used to follow along with Richard Toda, who is the director of educational outreach at ABT. And I would just go with him to public schools in Queens and Staten Island and all, all over you know, the um, New York City area. And I loved it. And I started going to school by myself once I kind of built that skill. Mm -hmm. And then the same in D.C., we had a really robust program called Dance D.C. in the D.C. Mm -hmm. public schools. And Mm -hmm. I would teach that program during the day. Um, in public schools when I had the time. And so I recognized that, okay, that's an area where there's opportunity to make it an incredible experience and really um, something that can impact children's lives to experience Mm -hmm. dance well in their own school. You know, so I was definitely um, experienced in that and open to exploring that more. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so how that kind of transitioned into Miami City Ballet was really, I think, a, a godsend, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, during the pandemic, um, Ruben Martin uh, was one of the ballet masters at the Washington Ballet. And he started something called Worldwide Ballet Class. You know, what? And so, <laughs> the way I knew this happened was whenever I would open Venmo, I don't know if you guys had the same experience. Everybody was just paying him. Like everyone I knew was just paying him for worldwide <laughs> ballet class. And I was like, what is this class? Should I be like checking in on this? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, but it just makes me think yeah. of that. <laughs> and so, you know, I was like, I'll volunteer 
some classes, you know, for, you know, at first it was geared towards professional dancers that were out of work, but then it just kind of turned into anybody that wanted to take ballet class. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I was like, okay, I'm in my living room, happy to, you know, do a few classes. Well, Kareem Carmergo um, happened to see the classes and shared it with Aracha. And they invited me to guest teach on Zoom from my living room. (laughs) And so I taught um, for two days for the pre-pros at Miami City Ballet School. And it left a big impression with me. I could really see such high quality work happening. You know, so I just kind of tucked that in my I was like, oh, that was really nice, really some good work. But again, I'm not interested in teaching <laughs> right. anywhere else but the Washington School of Ballet. Right, right. That, if I'm a teacher, I'm teaching where I'm at, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, but then when the opening came for Director of Community Engagement, again, I was open to something that would allow me to teach during the day with mm-hmm. children. Um, Arts Consulting Group was the search firm that ran the search. And so Jeff Chang, who I love with Arts Consulting Group, they are just really incredible professionals, um, told me more about the position and said, however, they're looking for someone that speaks Spanish. Okay, I don't speak Spanish. Not yet. Now you live in Miami. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But I'm happy to apply because, again, I could see how a lot of the experiences I had had teaching in public schools, being the director of a ballet school in such a unique urban community could really translate to the community work at Miami City Ballet. Yeah, And so I had to go through a lot of just initial interviews with arts consulting groups because, you know, they're screening people, uh, you know, to to put forward. And so then when I finally had a chance to meet with the search committee at Miami City Ballet, I really um, had a good feeling in terms of I could see how my past experiences could relate to the job and what they were seeking. Um, And so even being a finalist, though, I still didn't quite believe that it was something that was going to come to fruition because Jeff even mentioned again when I was in Miami, you know, Monica, there's Mm -hmm. other candidates and they all speak Spanish. (laughs) So in other words, telling me there are other and they have a qualification of that. Right. Um, and, and so I am just so blessed that they did take a leap of faith um, with me because I, I really can see how all of the experiences I've had in different arts organizations can really help me take their dance education in the public schools further. Um, right. So I'm excited. I have Spanish classes every Tuesday night so at 630. Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I'm really excited to uh, have something 
where I know I can make a long-term sustainable investment in a community. Yeah. I mean, I was reading the press release for this, like rereading it before this and just like, you know, they say you've been, you know, appointed to this role and then they start going through your bio and I'm like, Monica's the only person for this. Like, (laughs) it's so true that like your background is just so incredible for this. And they're just, they're so lucky to have you and you're going to learn Spanish so fast. I know it. Yes. yes. I mean, this closest to immersion you can get in America. That's true. You know, you're just going to hear it everywhere. So (laughs) absolutely. There's plenty of people to practice on, you know, it's a community, you know, that's like, I want to say it's 72% Hispanic. You know, so I definitely have to invest in learning the language. Just be conversational. I'm not expecting, you know, to become fluent. Um, right, right. But I definitely want to be able to get to a conversational level over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, something that, that struck me about this too is like, I, I think that um, Miami City Valley is clearly investing in this position and, and the fact that they did put you through such um, a rigorous recruiting process. You know, I feel like many arts organizations might just be like, okay, well, like, you know, we have some resumes on the table and we'll just thumb through them and find it. But they really took their time. They're taking this position very seriously and this um, aspect of the organization very seriously. So that must feel also to you once you got the job, like, okay, I know I'm going to be um, appreciated in this role. They, it matters a lot. It's a, it's a good thing. If you're going to leave something you love so much, it better be to something uh, that is also going to inspire you. I could not agree more. The fact that they were so thorough made me feel like it was worth taking a risk for because mm-hmm. they had taken the time to really make sure they found the right person. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, it was a big risk to leave children that I loved, a job that I loved. I loved living in D.C. Um, D.C. was driving distance to my parents' house in North mm-hmm. Carolina. You know, so I was definitely feeling like I, I'm giving up a lot. And, and right. so I, I'm really happy that they took their time. It was like a four month courting process Wow! (laughs) from the time I applied to the time that they offered me the job. So, Mm -hmm. um, so the fact that they were that thorough in, in utilized a consulting firm to ensure the professionalism of the search uh, Mm -hmm. really made me feel good as a, as an applicant. And just to piggyback off of what Michael was saying, like it could have been, it would have been so easy for them just to choose someone literally based on the fact that they spoke Spanish, because like you're saying, that's the community that you're working within. But clearly to them, it was more the experience, which is so uh, exactly like Michael is saying, like they're obviously taking it very seriously. So that's so cool to hear. So I want to hear a little bit about what your responsibilities are. You started early January, right? So we're now at the end of January, We've gone through about a month. <laughs> what are some of your responsibilities and what has it been like so far? Oh, gosh. Um, You know, it's crazy because I'm only four weeks in. um, But, you know, I would say that there is um, a breadth of responsibilities from the administrative to what the artistic experience is in community engagement. And I think that, um, you know, with this being a senior leadership position, there are a lot of responsibilities that 
are very pressure heavy. I mean, you know, it's like, yes, I might have a better schedule per se, (laughs) but for instance, right now we're in budget talks. Right. And so, you know, to have to already come in and be working towards a balanced budget for FY23, the next fiscal year, Mm -hmm. when I'm just learning the programs is not easy. Sure. Right. You know, so overseeing that big picture in terms of vision, budget, what are the resources we need to do the work in the community? And then down to the nitty gritty of, okay, this is what I want taught in these public schools. So, you know, yesterday it's everything from a budget talk to like going on Zoom with a teaching artist in teaching for an introductory ballet class. You know, so it is like everything from the administrative piece, but also the artistic piece um, in terms of strengthening the level of dance education happening in their schools. Right. And the big thing that I wanted to do was align the in-school curriculum, which Mm -hmm. they call Explore Dance here, with the Miami City Ballet School curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they hired someone like myself that has danced professionally, which they didn't have, like they didn't need to hire yeah. a, a, a former dancer for this role. But the fact that they did really helps in that I can do things like align the curriculum mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. match the Miami City. So they can just pop um, right into MCB. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That I can train teaching artists to teach ballet fundamentals in a public school. Um, So it's definitely the full gamut from Mm -hmm. administrative to artistic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would just be so intimidated. I think the budget aspect is what would be, I mean, of any any responsibility to come in, it's like, okay, you've got to figure out how we spend our money. I mean, that's... Right. Exactly. And what I can say is, you know, my role at the Washington Ballet was artistic. Um, And so, yes, I had a a, a understanding of our budget because I was, you know, hiring faculty and accompanists and all of those things. Mm -hmm. But to be the one responsible for making a budget uh, is it's pressure. You know, Mm -hmm. you've got to get it right. But what I can say is the director of finance here, and I'm going to just do a shot, you know, shout out. uh, Josh Shoemaker (laughs) is awesome. And and so, you know, he's been talking me through it. And, you know, he'll, you know, plug in the new numbers on the spreadsheet for me. I mean, like, he's really doing everything he can to make sure I get it right. So I'm, I'm, I'm well supported. That's great. That's great. Um, there's one program at Miami City Ballet that um, Michael and I were there during its inception. Ballet bus is that still something that's going on? And is in that is that under your purview at all? So ballet bus is one of our community engagement programs, um, and I have to say that was one of the things that attracted me to the role. And when I learned more about the programs, was like. I can see myself being able to make a contribution because Mm -hmm. Ballet Bus is one of the 
only programs in the country that makes a long-term commitment to children. Can you tell us right. a little bit about it for so, our listeners who aren't familiar with it? Yes. Um, so with Ballet Bus, basically, it's literally Miami City Ballet provides three buses that go around to different schools, pick children up, and drive them to Miami Beach Monday through Friday for ballet classes. It's a 10-year commitment that they make to these students. So they're able to train with transportation, free tuition and uniforms for up to 10 years. And so it's removing all of those barriers to participation that keep children out of ballet that don't have the money. Uh, A lot of those children might be, um, you know, from things of color that may have that socioeconomic gap. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's doing wonders in really ensuring that families have what it what they need to be successful training in a ballet school. And when I saw that they were making that long-term commitment, that for me was a huge, huge ad because for instance, most ballet companies and the Washington Ballet included would only offer a one-year scholarship for those students coming from the public school dance training into the Washington School of Ballet. And right. that was typical. That's most mm-hmm. ballet companies. Sure. Um, and so the fact that Miami City Ballet was offering a renewable scholarship for up to 10 years just, I think, is a step ahead of what right. most are doing. Right, right, loved right. when the ballet bus kids would start coming to Nutcracker rehearsals, like they would be a Nutcracker. It was so cool mm-hmm. to see them like starting that path to professional dance. And it must be like some of the inaugural students must, I wonder, you know, because it started, Michael, when, when do you think? I mean, I'm maybe? sure that the program is 10 years old, 10 years now, old, probably now, think. right? Do you know? Monica? It's in its seventh year. Seventh oh, yeah. year. Okay. You're almost right. <laughs> yes. We're kind of close. <laughs> We're like it's twenty years old now, right? Yeah, I'm like that. That, that moment for me feels like a hundred years ago. So <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah, it has to be ten years old. Yeah, right, right. Well, that's so, so, yes, yeah, that's some so of great. Those original dancers from the first year are still going. They're now in level six. Yay! So they're getting up the ladder. They're on point. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them are going to be in Swan Lake coming up. They, of course, did the no Nutcracker. Yeah, that's amazing. And so what I like about this is people don't know who rides the bus and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, once they're in class, they're like every other student. So, right. Yeah. And I just, before we move on from this, if um, anyone wants to support this cause, because I know that Miami City Ballet fundraises specifically for um, ballet bus. So I just wanted to, if you wanted to share that information so that people can give if they are able and interested. Yes. We definitely need support. So, you know, now that I'm into the weeds with the budget, just for an example, the bus alone is about $150,000 a year. Wow. Just wow. for the bus service. So that's wow. not including their tuition and uniforms. That's Holy just crap. to get wow. them to Miami Beach. So it takes a lot of financial investment to make Mm -hmm. it happen. 
So yes, if anybody listening <laughs> would like to support the community engagement programs, we we need the support. You know, so yeah. just making you know a donation to Miami City Ballet, and you know we can earmark it towards community engagement. We really do need the support because it does take a lot. And it's such a great happen. program. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you've been there for five minutes now, but, um, but what are some of your longer term goals? Like, what would you like to see? Um, how would you like to see Miami City Valley engage with the community differently in five years from now, let's say, than they are right now? You know, I think Valley Bus is one of a kind. It's like, I put it in its, like, in its own bucket, you know, mm-hmm. like it can keep running like it is sustaining itself because it's making such impact. Mm -hmm. I would love to see a mentoring program to ensure that those dancers receive ongoing mentoring and support that that we don't lose them to, for instance, New World School of the Arts or other, you know, opportunities that they Mm -hmm. really understand the pathway towards being a professional dancer, which is going to mean you've got to stay at Miami City Ballet School. You Mm -hmm. know, so understanding the pathway towards a professional career uh, is really what I'm seeking now that some of their, you know, uh, initial students are getting to those tough moments of deciding where to go to high school and how do I continue. So I want to definitely see more mentoring for Mm -hmm. the ballet bus students. But the bucket I really want to see get stronger is what I alluded to, which is the in-school dance education, Mm -hmm. the dance classes that we're doing out in the community in the public schools. I definitely want to see um, that curricular alignment. Mm-hmm. So that students are better prepared to enter Miami City Ballet School, as well as m- an expansion of that program. Right now, we're only in four schools with our mm-hmm. Explore Dance program. And I want to see us in 10 to 15 schools yeah. Yeah. every year. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. so uh-huh. of course, that means more money. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I know that that makes a true difference, exposing mm-hmm. children right in their own school. So I want to see right. an expansion of that program for sure, uh, which means an investment in more teaching artists. Um, So looking at how do we recruit and train teachers to go into the schools and Mm -hmm. teach in an engaging way. Um, I think that, you know, there are a lot of potential partnerships, for instance, with Jocelyn Watts National Dance Institute to, you know, um, train the teaching artists to do Mm -hmm. the job really well in the schools here. Um, So really looking at growing that in-school residency program, I think would make a dramatic difference. Um, There's something called Ballet for Young People, where we uh, basically take Um, the pre-professional dancers out into the community to perform for children. And what they had traditionally been doing, of course, is excerpts from Balanchine ballets and, you know, classics. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really excited about a new ballet called Rita Finds a Home, 
which is about a young girl, that it's actually something that's going to be culturally relevant and Mm -hmm. age appropriate. And so Rita Finds a Home is a commission that Joffrey Ballet and Miami City Ballet are doing together with choreography by Amy Hall Garner. And I'm really excited because we'll finally have a story that really reflects the community. Um, So I think that's going to take the Ballet for Young People performances in a completely different uh, trajectory and and really in one that is more representative of the community of Miami. Yeah, Love that that makes me think a little bit of just like when we talk to people, it's like, how did you first become interested in ballet? Oh, Nutcracker. Well, there's a story, mm-hmm. right? That like they can follow that is interesting to them and children they are up children on, stage, on stage. So yeah. it's like representative of them. They can see themselves up there. So that just makes nothing but sense to do some stuff like that. Even though, you know, balancing can be so compelling to some, you know, it's a little I can see how it might be harder to digest when you're little. So it just could be so cool to see a story like that. Right. Absolutely. I'm really excited. I, I think that that's moving the needle in the right direction for sure. So um, cool. That we're not imposing ballet onto a community, but that right. we're actually bringing something that they can relate to. I, I, I think it's a, a big step in the right direction. So right. Well, with you at the helm, Monica, I'm sure there's going to be a big change in a positive, wonderful way for the Miami City Ballet, and we can't wait to see it. Yeah, we'll be watching. Thank you so much, Monica. It's such a pleasure to have you back on. Thanks, Monica. Thank you all. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 